Je me sens un peu de DJ. <laughs> a bit of French there for the start of the show. Mm? We've just record, started recording and you're speaking French. Ah. See, Pardon. you're showing off. I didn't know you were recording. Mm. You ready? Confusing. Yeah. So, hello and welcome back <laughs> to Small Screens Film Club on London Fields Radio. Coming, well, it is live. I'm even going to say it's, it's, it's recorded live anyway from Wilton Way Cafe. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and with me, with me once again is my lovely co-host Alessia. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. You feeling good today? Less cold. Than Less cold. So yeah. So it's been cold this week. Very cold. Are you? Are you? Have you? Are you ill at all? Are you okay? Uh, I'm fine. You're ill. Yeah, I'm ill. So <laughs> first thing, <laughs> I do apologise if my voice sounds um, a bit Ill? <laughs> a bit ill. Yeah, I am ill. That's why. Anyway, so today we're going to be talking about another Oscar-nominated movie to add to our list, the list of Oscar-nominated movies we talk about. So we've spoken about... Which ones have we spoken about before? Um, Call Me By Your Name, yeah. we talked about. I think that's possibly the only one out of all the oscar nominated. Oh, no, no, we did Dunkirk as well. A couple, oh, yeah, we did. That was, la that was last ago. year. Yeah, that was last year, and that's, that's been nominated for an Oscar as well. But this... So this... Um, we watched this film... A couple of weeks ago now, wasn't it? We watched it. No, wasn't it last? It was last week. Was it last week? And uh, I personally am very excited to talk about this movie because it's directed by one of my favourite directors of all time, uh, Guillermo del Toro. Very good accent, Edward. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to put the Spanish accents on because I'll just Thank sound... Thank God. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't heard of Guillermo del Toro, uh, first, well, why haven't you, firstly? Uh, secondly, go and watch his movies now because they're fantastic. Um, so he, before directing this, the last film he did was Crimson Peak, which we watched uh, a couple of years ago as well. Last year. Wasn't it last no, year? No, it's 2016. Always I'm always convinced that yeah. it was 2017 for <clears throat> some reason. No, we watched it in 2000. And that, that film you particularly liked, didn't I you? I loved it. And it unfortunately came out to relatively... kind of. I, I wouldn't... Well, they were negative. They were, they were kind of middling reviews, but we both really enjoyed the film. Um, I thought it was beautiful. And then before that, he did Pacific Rim, which is not... I mean, it's fine. It's like an action movie. Um, he's also done the Hellboy movies, Hellboy 1 and 2. But his most famous work uh, would have been Pan's Labyrinth, Kronos, uh, The Devil's Backbone. That You know, those those are his kind of... He also did a film called Mimic, which wasn't, wasn't so good, and there are reasons behind that, um, Harvey Weinstein being one of them. Uh, but it's... He's a... Uh, He's one of these directors that's been involved in a lot of things. So he's he's been a pr an executive producer on a lot of movies. So he's he's also friends with, or he was um, childhood friends with direct people, well di directors now that are very famous, Oscar-winning directors, uh, all Mexican. And uh, he's he's just uh, he's I've been following his career for years, and I, I think personally he's reached a peak now with The Shape of Water. But I'm going to ask you the very first question that we tend to ask, well, I tend to ask on this, on this show is, um, what did you think of the film? I really loved the film. I, I really, really loved it. And can you, can you give a, a little overview of what happens in this movie, or do I have to do that? Is your throat hurting or something? <laughs> a, a tiny <laughs> bit, but I, c I can do it. Um, 
So it's uh, the Shape of Water is uh, it's a pretty simple plot. It's uh, um, talks about a uh, it's set in a top secret research facility uh, set in the 1960s in a kind of I mean I would call it a almost fantastical world kind of I, I think there's a there's no, a I wouldn't well, there's, say that. well it's very stylized let's just say that yes. um, you, you, you're not quite sure where I don't I don't think you're quite sure where it's based it, it's in America yeah it's definitely yes. in America and um, so it the stories of a, a, a janitor uh, played by Sally Hawkins. She's called Eliza, and she's uh, she's mute. She can't speak, and she's quite lonely. She has one friend uh, played by Richard Jenkins, a gay man called Giles, um, and she starts um, a rather unique relationship with this amphibious kind of man creature who's uh, being tested on in this research lab and actually tortured. And the story is kind of about uh, their, well, it's their love story, really, mm. in a nutshell. Yeah. So that kind of, I went, that's a very kind of o- <laughs> brief overview of the plot. And I don't, I don't, we will spoil the film, but I wasn't trying to spoil it too much. As you know, we talk about, uh, we do, much like you do in a, film, in a book club, we talk about the movie in its entirety. So we will be spoiling it. Um, yeah, so as you said before, you love this film. I do. And I would, I would agree with you. But so, what, what did you, what, what did you love about this film? What in particular did you love about this movie? I think is most, well, I think is the way it kind of portrays very important and heavy, um, well, situation, but also subjects in general. Yeah. And it kind of makes you feel like you're a bit in a this fantastic world that is not completely real. Mm. It's a bit, you know, I was thinking it kind of feels like it, maybe it's because they live in a, a, like in a weird building and it's a bit like cinematic. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Moulin Rouge. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, just a, just a kind of like <coughs> aesthetic of it. Um, so I think it's a good balance between very heavy subjects good aesthetic that kind of makes you forget about those kind of like like they were weren't really real yeah and yet you you kind of understand straight away who's the bad guy who's the good guy Mm. and how it's kind of gonna happen what was kind of gonna happen and yeah i think it's is really like I think it's kind of everything balances very well in in the story. I think it's it's set up a bit like a fairy tale. I think. I think it's the music as yeah. well that makes you kind of like feel like. Which does remind me of the music in Up, which is also because I think it's the same composer that did both movies. But that was it's interesting that you uh, likened it a bit, kind of visually the style to Moulin yeah. Rouge. Um, someone told me that, that they thought it's. It looked and sound and felt a bit more more like the French film Amelie. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like just this the kind of yeah because it's kind of like still a fairy kind of like yeah. fairy tale kind of atmosphere. I think Amelie as as well. Yeah, probably that's just better. That's a better kind of comparison. comparison. Yeah. Mm, but yeah, it's kind of like. I mean, the 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 yeah. end the end of the day, it's a very it's very much a Guillermo del Toro film. So if you've seen things like Pan's Labyrinth and The Devil's Backbone and even Kronos to a certain extent, this this is the type of subject matter that he loves. He loves monsters and he he has an undying love for monsters. And he goes he talks about it a lot. It's how they really helped him 
you know, reading these stories, these monster stories really helped him when he was young and he just wants wants to put that on the big screen and that's something that it's a type of filmmaking that not many people are doing at the moment and which is why I think he's such a unique film uh, filmmaker and, and one that I feel hasn't has been over in a weird way overlooked on multiple occasions by not not by critics but but by the academy especially and, and by kind of almost movie goers like they don't they, I, I think this is the time now when Guillermo del Toro is going to be taken really seriously and people are going to be watching like people are still what looking out for his films but now more than ever I think he's going to be a big name he's been he's been uh, part of a lot of projects that never happened so he was going yeah. to direct uh, Justice League no was it Justice League Dark not sure about that I but he was he I was going like to I see him in directing <coughs> that kind of well no he was he, he was going to direct the Hobbit movie and he spent oh we got a dog in there <laughs> in the cafe um, he was uh, he was going to direct the Hobbit movie and he spent two years in New Zealand working on that and then MGM kind of fell through and they yeah MGM but basically lost money had no more money left and um, he didn't really want to stay around so he left and eventually the films turned into the, the Hobbit movies that we had I don't think you've seen them they're not no. very, they're not very good also I'm not really into that kind of thing yeah but that's that's and kind they're of long aren't they they are really long they made, originally he was going to do two films and then the whole MGM thing happened and then they were like well we need money so let's get let's make three movies and Peter Jackson directed them and they were really not very good I think if Guillermo del Toro had made them they would have been really quite special um, because he's a I mean I, lo- I like Peter Jackson as well but del Toro is kind of on I think on another level to him and, and this film shows it more than anything the, the Shape of Water shows how good he is now I think you can't really talk about The Shape of Water without mentioning the kind of controversies that have been going on around this film so there are a lot of people that have come out now saying that he's plagiarised the material. People try, don't they? They do. And so there was a, a Dutch student film that is about a janitor that falls in love with a fishman creature. I mean, okay, you know, you think Guillermo del Toro watched your film and thought, oh, that's an idea. I should take that. Let me see. Oh, first of all, Guillermo del Toro is full of ideas. Um, I mean, it could be, but that's not the point. The point is, like, if you if you go through like if you if you look at this this way then anything of plagiarism yeah. like what the mo- when all the movies were a girl finds a boy and f- they fell in love mm. and then something happened and then they find each other again like it's nice, nice voice <laughs> but you know what i mean it's like no, yeah. okay that's really specific but at the same time a fishman is not like the f- it's not the first time we see a fishman in in pop culture in general, so it's not the first time we've seen a fishman in a Guillermo del Toro movie. Yeah, so, so if you watch the Hellboy films, there's a fishman in there. He looks very similar. It's played by the same actor, Doug uh, Doug Jones, I believe his name is. Uh, I'm gonna have to look that up. Is it Doug Jones? I don't know. Is it? Uh, man looks up thing. <laughs> yeah, it is Doug Jones. <laughs> Good. I'm glad I Good remembered job. that name. Uh, yeah, so it's it's. I mean. Also, the, the other thing about him is he's so open about his about his inspirations and where they come from and his influences. I'm sure that if he like if he had seen this, he would have said, I've, "I saw this and I thought of this." I mean, I, I find it very it's very convenient that all of these allegations come out the minute it gets nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of telling. But anyway, 
all that all that aside but that happens all the time yeah. i mean it doesn't it doesn't like it's not even uh, news anymore you know what mm. i mean it's just like it also when it's so many like he's also come out and he's he's you know given he's told people what he thinks about the whole thing and he just yeah. said that it's it's nonsense and you know <laughs> That's fair enough. You know, things. Some, uh, very often, you get two movies that come out at, uh, in a year that are basically exactly the same. Uh, thinking of films like uh, Olympus Has Fallen and uh, oh, what was the other one? The White House Down. They're exactly the same movies, mm-hmm. and they came out in exactly the same year. It happens. That kind of that kind of thing happens uh, all the time. But actually, I think what really is the case is that all of these movies and and the play as well. That there was a playwright as well. His son claimed that. Guillermo del Toro stole his father's idea. They're all inspired by the same thing, which is the creature from the Blue Lagoon, which is a classic monster movie. And this film really does. There are heavy, heavy inspirations from that movie, and and you really you see it. And it's more than anything, I think, The Shape of Water is just a beautiful love story. Yes, it is, and it's it's a it's kind of like a love story that challenges the in a really high kind of like standard in. If we can we can use quotes for this, um, racism and all this, you know, kind of things. There is a lot of sexism in the movie that's been shown, like shown. And oh, what's the name of the bad guy again? So the the actor. The actor, yeah. Ma- Michael Shannon. Is a great bad guy. He's he is. Like has a good face for a bad guy, <laughs> and yeah, he's like the the kind of like the pure example of like what you imagine like an old American. Um, businessman to be. to be, like yeah, this. yeah, he is terrifying. I it's think not. Ter- well. It's not even terrifying. I it's like it's um, it's just give like it makes you rage. It's like rage. Like yeah. it gets yeah. you really raging, and makes you um, angry. yeah, yeah, <laughs> and also like he's so stubborn and it, you know he doesn't listen he's pretentious he doesn't listen to anybody he has his ideas and it's such old kind of type, type of ideas mm. and um, and yeah and he's extremely sexist it is there is sexual harassment there is sexism there is racism in um, in this in this film there's everything but again it's really subtle and uh, is in your face in the sense that is there you can't mm. miss it I mean, to miss it, you have to be probably part of the problem. <laughs> um, but it's done in a way that is still not the center of attention because, yeah. you know, she uh, is the center of attention. Um, yeah, well, a dog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> unless you get sidetracked by a dog. <laughs> no, that you're very much right. And that, that point you made about that they're all... The, the main protagonists uh, are all outsiders. So you've got uh, Eliza is a mute, she can't speak to anybody and no one takes her seriously. Uh, then you have... Sorry, it's all kicking up in here. <laughs> the, then you, you have Giles, who's who's uh, gay and no one will accept him. And for an who artist. He, and an artist. And no one will accept him for who, for, you know, for who he is. Uh, and then you have the fish man, who is a fish man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he's unlike anything they've ever seen. He's actually likened to a god. On, on a, a few occasions and actually well after having seen this I did think and, and I told you this and I don't, I don't think you really agreed with me but I was watching it and at the end I was like this is a superhero movie no I think like, I think you, it's not but it could be 
Yeah, I, I mean, the, the end is very much like Superman kind of. Yeah, but at the same time, he's for his own. He, he uses it for his own. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't save anybody else that it's not around him. No. So it's not exactly a superhero movie. I'd say he could be. He could yeah. be a superhero. Maybe he will. Maybe. Well, maybe he's already been one. Because if you think about, there are lots of people that, that are comparing this the, the creature in this movie to the cre- a creature that's in uh, Hellboy, who is part of a superhero team. Mm. So it's, th- I mean, also Michael Shannon's in it, and he played uh, Zod in Maybe in this is Man the, the prequel. Maybe that's the. I, I mean, I, you know what? I, I'd like it. To, I think there is going to be. Or maybe not. I, I think I'm probably drunk. Uh, I hope not because but you know no, I, I think I it is nice. Yeah. It actually it ends really nicely. I yeah. really love the ending, and is it usually doesn't it doesn't happen very often no. that you love the ending. I think it's the perfect ending because you have kind of like it's not completely positive, but it's still positive. Well, it's quite ambiguous as well. Well, it is because kind you of. have you have the narration. So Giles is narrating. Uh, he starts the film and ends the film with, nar- with narration mm. from um, Richard Jenkins, who plays Giles. And he says that he kind of doesn't know what happened to them, but he'd like to think that they you know, yeah. lived together and had a lovely life together and loved one another until they, they died. Mm. And um, the film kind of leads you on that, down that road, um, yeah. but it's still quite an open ending. You could, it could go wherever you want it to go. Oh, it can be like that they get captured again. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, I don't think um, there's going to be a second one. No. No, but this was definitely a film that, yeah, that Del Toro just wanted. He kind of just took, took uh, like he's. Like, I'm just going to do this now. He had some time and he did it. And now he's taking a year off, so he's not doing anything for a year, which I think he kind of deserves because he was part of a lot of projects that never happened, and he was also greenlighting a lot of projects. You know, he's been working constantly now, and you, you know that. I think this. I think with this film, he's definitely he's definitely deserved some time off. Um, it's it's something. I think what you can tell from the way we're talking about it. We. I mean, I certainly really love this movie, and I think you did too, Alessia. Yeah, I loved it. Um, but ha- loved it. so going back to the questions, I, I tend to ask: how, how did this film make you feel? You mentioned that you were angry when you saw uh, no, Michael Shannon. Yeah, but at the same time, I wasn't angry. But I mean. I'd be, you know, it's something like you're, you, they, I mean, they want you to hate him, and you do, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of like, in, I mean, in, in my mind, I already knew that he wasn't gonna win. Yeah. And it's, although I, don't know, I can't really explain why, but well, although there is a point at near the end where you think, oh God, he has won. No, near the end of the film. You like it for thirty seconds. Yeah. Not enough. But to make to make him a winner. <laughs> but what did you really feel? Like what what emotions did did you feel whilst watching this film? It's it's a sweet it's it's a sweet film. Yeah. It's it's really I think the music is really well orchestrated with with the scenes etc. So it kind of like it kind of like it's a, it's a sweet love story and it's kind of like. For once, she saves him. Yeah. Um, but in the same, at the same time, he saves her because she, like, she kind of changes her, her life. Yeah. And I like that they're always like actually the water connection. It's a constant theme. Is a constant yeah. theme exactly? Like she's really like you know you see water from the beginning of the film 
a lot going on in the water. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe I'll, I'll have to explain. So the, ba- the, the film starts off actually with uh, a scene of just water and then you see that you go through the flat, um, Eliza's flat and it's, mm. it's all, there's water everywhere and then you see Eliza kind of floating, she's sleeping and then the water just goes and everything's normal. And then there's also, I mean, he's a fish man, he's always in water. She starts off the day by running a, a great big bath and then has, yeah, she does things in the bath. Yeah. <laughs> you can say, you know, it's not like... Okay, so there is. this is one of, like, the probably 10 films in the history of cinema where there is a scene of a female, I know. Ma- a female masturbation. Yeah. It's incredible. Mm, it's, very, it, it's very progressive. <laughs> very progressive. And 2018. <laughs> it's probably the fifth. We said, I said 10th before. Maybe I'm going a bit <laughs> overboard. But well, there is, is there... I think it's. I think you, you you told you said to me afterwards that you thought that was to show her loneliness. Well, it's kind of like mm, yes, it was as well. But yeah. I think it's also like to show the connection that she has with the water, even on a sexual yeah. level. I think it, it kind of like tells you what's going to happen straight away. God, there are so many things going on in this movie. So many things. Yeah. No, I I, I would completely agree with you. Um, I think I think you're right. Um, so I mean, for me, I think. I I think I went through every emotion possible mm. whilst watching this film. So I was happy, I was sad, I was angry, uh, I was awed. Just and then the end, I was elated. Really, I just I felt a great sense of elation, and I was just coming out of the film really felt thoroughly not only entertained but also felt that I'd been challenged as well. This film is a film that that challenges you to feel all these emotions and go and go through this. What is really just a, an emotional roller coaster? Um, that ever, I mean, I know some people kind of get a bit funny about these sorts of films, and they say, "Oh, you know, it's like a lot of Steven Spielberg movies where they say, oh, he's really hand-holding you,' and he's going, oh, 'I'm going to take you through this emotion and this emotion.' But this isn't like that. This this is something where it, it feels completely natural, um, and it goes along with the story really nicely, and um, and then it culminates in a, in a wonderful ending. So, I mean, was there, was there anything about this film that you didn't like? Mm-mm-mm. This is a difficult question. It is. I don't know. I don't think, I think, I can't say anything really because even the casting was amazing. Yeah. No, I really, also really liked um, the Russian spy Oh, yeah. I forgot. Character. I, yeah, he's another character that's an outsider. Yeah, definitely. He's, he's literally an outsider. He's a spy. He's yeah. a spy. So there's a there's a one of the scientists is actually a, a Russian spy. Yeah, but also he's kind of like he's a scientist first. Like yeah. he wants to know more. He lo- like he's fascinated by this crea- creature. And he doesn't creature. he doesn't want to kill it. He wants to save it as well. It's yeah, but he wants to study it. Well, yeah. But he kind of like oh, this is like he thinks oh, this is such a beautiful creature and like so yeah. God, I just yeah, I love this movie. I think um, I can't say I can't see anything right now. I thought it was really beautiful to watch, yeah. and I think it was, you know, you go, you go out of of the cinema and you don't feel. I didn't feel overwhelmed by emotions, which is a nice feeling. Yeah. For, like for me, like that I have I have a problem. Last, last flag flying, for instance. Yeah, he puts me in such a like a terrible mood. Yeah. Not a terrible mood, but like I was so sad after yeah. the film. I was sad for like two days yeah, after that film. And um, it is nice sometimes to actually say, oh, this movie, I loved it. 
and I, f- I understand all the emotions that mm. he wants to kind of, try, you know, put you, you through. To put you through. Yeah. But, um, but then you know the, f- the film is over, and I can think about it without with, without being overwhelmed every time I yeah. think about it. So would you? Are, are you going to go into Del Toro's back catalogue now of movies? Are you interested to see what else he yeah, did? Yeah, as soon as I finish Almodovar. Yeah. I think you might find Pan's Labyrinth rather overwhelming. Mm. That film, I, f- I love it. I love it to bits. It's one of my favourite films, but that is really overwhelming, that film. But I mean, I think you need films that are yeah. overwhelming sometimes, but not all the time, you know. So one, in- one interesting thing about Del Toro is actually that his English language films have tended to be less impressive as his uh, Spanish language Isn't films. it normal, though? Yeah, well, this, for me, was the first time. Apart from, I thought he really showed um, bags of potential with Cr- Crimson Peak. I think that is a seriously underrated film. And, um, but yeah, but Crimson Peak, I liked it mostly because I thought it was amazing, amazingly shot. Yeah. Like, the, 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 it was beautiful. Like, the, the story, yeah, was fine and everything, but it was think, beautiful yeah. to watch. I think that film was, mis- uh, it was uh, badly marketed. Because it was marketed Maybe. as a horror film, it's not. Yeah, a it's not. Film. I mean, so it's I a gothic it. horror. So it it's got like Get Out. It's not a horror. Come on. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Although if I can watch it, it's not a horror. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I think this film, for the first time, um, is really Del Toro, kind of getting to the same point with his English language material that his Spanish language material is at. You know, it's it's. Um, as I, I mean, you were saying you can't really fault this film. I agree with you. I can't fault it. And and if out of all the films I've watched. Um, for the Oscars, I would I would have I'd watched it, it if it was a, if it was in Spanish as well. Yeah. I think it would have been. Um, I think there is something though about about setting it in America, yeah. that that is is quite important. Um, well, it's necessary. Yeah, for the story, I don't. Or think it could it, have been set in Russia, but then. Yeah, well, yeah <laughs> but then it wouldn't. I think it wouldn't really have worked as well if it was no. set in a Spanish country. I think I think this film needed to be set in in, Amer- in America and needed to be in the English language, um, which you know. Yeah, because it just serves the story better. So, I i mean, I hate doing this, but we kind of always have to do this and give the film a score mm-hmm. or some kind of rating. Are you going to give it, like, nine fishes? <laughs> nine fish. Uh, nine, uh, I, don't, I don't know, maybe <laughs> ten, ten baths full of water. <laughs> I can, oh, you can give it ten. Are you giving it ten? I'm giving it a ten. I, t- I told you, out of all the films, I was going to say, out of all the films I've seen that are nominated for an Oscar, mm. this would be the one I would give it to. I was, I was leaning. We haven't t- watched Ladybird. We haven't watched Ladybird. Probably going to watch it tonight. All the Darkest Hour. We haven't seen that either. I don't want to watch that. I'm not <laughs> watching that. But out of all the films, I would have given it to Get Out before seeing this. But then, I think, I don't. That's a really com- difficult one, actually. I mm. love both those films, but I just, I think maybe it's because it's fresher in my mind. I'm no, thinking, I think. I, mm, I think it's just more poetic. Yeah. That's the word. It's not sweet. It's poetic. That's a good one. Finally. There you go. Got you, got, you got the right word. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, so what would you give it then? Probably 9.5. Michael Shannon's. No. 9.5. <laughs> um, boiling eggs. Oh, that's it. Boiled eggs. Yeah, but not the eggs in the in the process of boiling. Oh, okay, interesting. That's 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 a very good reference. Well yeah. done. If you know, I mean, well, you, you would understand if you've seen the movie. It's a lot of eggs, a lot of eggs and water. <laughs> it's two big themes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> eggs and water. 
So, I mean, I think I think you've yeah you've heard how much we love the film. I'm pretty sure if you've seen it, most people I've sp- spoken to about this film have loved it as well. We're um, we're we're set to have someone on the show. Yeah, but he's gone. But he's gone. He's not here. Our guest has vanished. Oh, he's outside. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come te- back. Technical issues. Um, so, I think what we're going to do is we're going to pause it here and wait for our guest to arrive, who's going to yeah. be talking about... He's, it's very exciting, actually. Yeah, an independent... He's an independent filmmaker. independent film on the show. Not for, No, not first independent. We've spoken oh, about I independent. I mean, like, like... First independent film, that, well, maker, someone that's actually making movies. Yeah. We're sitting here talking about them. But now exactly. we're going like to get someone who's on the show who actually makes interview, them. First like interview. First interview. First interview. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you to to <laughs> it. Like, see ya. <laughs> Goodbye. So yeah, so we have uh, so it's Daniel Alexander Kershaw on the show. Hey, you're right. How you doing? I'm very well. How are you? Not too bad. Mate. I'm working. Working. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. Take some time off working to talk about your the, the movie you're making, which is called Midwinter. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, explain explain to me what the movie is about. Uh, so the film's a short. Uh, proof of concept for a feature yeah. that we're making next year. Um, and it's a modern noir based around the disappearance of a young girl on Exmoor in North Devon. And her uncle's revenge on the guys that he believes took them. So, so, this, so you're, you're making this movie in order to, to... Well, making a short in order to hopefully... Are you definitely going to be making the, the feature or is that... Still up in the air. <laughs> yeah, at some point. Yeah. That's the, the main aim. Yeah. Um, and it will happen. Uh, this film's being made for many, men, like many reasons to prove a concept, partly to prove that the universe is worth exploring um, in the future and the style that we want to take mm. is plausible yeah. uh, to, to do. But also, it's very good for funding for features. They can be, uh, funding companies can see mm. evidence of what you've done before. So that's. And it's, it sounds to me like this is... I mean, you don't really see many kind of neo-noir thrillers anymore. It's something that's, that's gone out of fashion almost, hasn't it? So it's, you, you get a lot of films like Drive yeah. and these things. These are, and I guess, early Coen Brothers' work. Yeah. But now it's become very much yeah, more of a stylistic um, kind of blending of the genres. So we're trying to be a bit more traditional. Yeah. So. And, it, and why Devon? Why did you choose Devon? I'm from Devon, yeah. Um, but Devon's also, it's just this really strange place. It's not, I don't say it's a violent place <laughs> to be, but it's just, it's, um, it's not necessarily backwater either, it's just away, like it's kind of out the way of the troubles or where, like everywhere else. Hmm. And so the issues down there are a lot more internal um, and people's kind of, uh, what's the word for it? The way that they respond to things isn't necessarily the way that you'd respond in more in richer parts of the world hmm. and so people kind of take matters into their own hands a little bit down there it's kind of like the west yeah. <laughs> like the west of, that, well, that's of actually, England that's, you know? what, that's what I was thinking of when, when you because you, there's, there's an interview on the site actually that we did uh, um, on small screen that you can go and check out now if you want and um, when I was talking to you about this film before you, I, it really did feel to me like it would be almost like a western like an English western which I like I like that I like yeah. that idea I think that sounds really cool but um, I was going to, like, what are the... I've never made a movie. Yeah, you know, I just talk about them. It's very easy for me. I just go and watch them and talk about them. That's the important thing. <laughs> but what I want to know, like, how difficult... It must be really difficult to get a film made, especially in the, I mean, in the UK. I don't, I don't know. 
Um, I guess it depends on, first of all, what the film's about, yeah. effectively, um, and the way you're making it. But yes, it's not... It's, the problem is everyone's making films. Mm. Um, I guess with the increase in film courses at universities and Vimeo basically is a big factor to people now having the ability to just shoot stuff on the DSLR, like a 5D or something. So like DSLR films have become a really big thing yeah. in the past 10 years. Um, and because of that, some amazing stuff's coming out, like really clever stuff that's kind of subvert, like subverting, I guess subverting the expectations of what it is to mm. make a film. So that's one good thing, but it also means that anyone can just do it. Yeah. And so there are lots of scripts being written. Um, it's because it's become more accessible. It's kind of opened up the film industry a bit, people's understandings of it. So that's already difficult. Um, and it's, short films don't make money. That's, no. that's, the big, that's the big thing. They are made for film festivals. And they're kind of like, to some people, they're kind of like the stabilizers yeah. on a bike. You know, it's not, it's, a, it's not really a real film. Like a film is 90 minutes, you know, and, and, and above. What we're used to, our kind of expectation of film. But no, I'm, we'll, we'll see. I think it might get easier with lots of these kind of streaming services mm -hmm. now. Like Mubi, I know they support lots of short films, but by all means, it's really difficult. Yeah, like very, very difficult. So, I mean, this this is kind of an opportunity for you to to get your to to show people what you can do, and then for them. I mean, I I've heard a lot about. I've been to a couple of film festivals, um, and it there's a whole kind of yeah, it's it's a completely different world. It's, it's people marketing their movies, basically. A lot of it. And I've heard a yeah. lot of stories about Cannes. Bit of oh, that yeah, being yeah. completely insane. Is that is that what you're going in for? Is that what you're you're prepared for? <laughs> I kind of hope not, but probably that's the expectation. Yeah. It's kind of a convention, really. Yeah. Actually, it's kind of like a funding convention can really. Yeah. Um, we'll see. You never know. There's lots of independent production companies that support uh, films. The BFI is obviously a big thing, yeah. but lots of these things are caught up in technicalities mm. of uh, how to get funding. And so I don't know. I think. The festivals are really good because they ensure that people can see the film and it raises a great deal of awareness for the project. And kind of for yourself as a filmmaker, as much as I hate to accept that you are a product, like film yeah. directors are products, yeah. effectively. They're a name, a lot of them. Um, there's not, I don't want to say they don't do a lot on a film, but obviously everyone else actually makes the film, yeah. if you think about it that way. And so it's more so just to advertise. And then once people see the short... Um, and if it's successful, you never know. If you, you, you can go the whole way. Like lots of the, the biggest festivals in the world have short film categories. I think it definitely just opens up a doorway hmm. to feature film funding. But it depends. There's lots of grassroots. There's lots of grassroots organisations yeah. that do it, like microwave and these sorts of things. So. And, and how long? Are, you're, gonna, you're about to go off and shoot this thing. So, yeah, so how, how long will that take? So we're shooting for four days yeah. uh, next week. And then post-production, we're trying to do it as quickly as possible, basically. Yeah. Um, within reason, like you need, the, you need it to be successful. Um, but I think the turnaround will probably be around three months on the shooting and post. But we're shooting on film, and so that adds the issue okay. with development and everything. Yeah, I can imagine not many people do that anymore. I mean, it's, it's becoming more popular. It is, it, yeah. Thank God, yeah, know, thanks to certain filmmakers. And The issue with it is it's... Um, it's expensive. Like, yeah. that's, that's the reality. It's expensive, and to a lot of people, I, I, can't, I understand. It's, there's this huge argument constantly, film or digital, you know, the, the fanboys arguing over what's better. They're just different, two different things, different yeah. tools. There are some films that have to be shot digitally. Um, 
And so film was kind of left behind a little bit because of the accessibility of shooting digital. Um, but it is coming back. Kodak have just come back, which is a great thing. They've now, well, they've not, they've always been there, but they're producing a lot more now. And filmmakers like Quentin Tarantino and these people have always kept yeah. film kind of yeah, above water. Well, so. You've got like, I mean, off the top of my head, I can think of like Quentin, well, Quentin Tarantino, Christopher Nolan. Uh, I think J.J. Abrams shoots yeah. on film. Star Wars was shot yeah. on film. His new Star Wars, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the thing with uh, Christopher Nolan shoots on IMAX. So it's like yeah, he does. Yeah, stuff. yeah, but does. but no, definitely it's. But look at the, the guy that just did the Florida Project. Um, I forget his name. He did Tangerine. Yeah, I can't. I'm Sean S- Baker. Sean Baker. Sean Baker. Yeah, he yeah. shoots film. Yeah. Um, lots of kind of lots of people have done it and yeah. are doing it. And companies like Kodak are so open to helping people do it. It's, and have they helped you as well? Yes. In this, so yeah. we've we've had a great deal of support from Ari, which are a huge cinematography company yeah one of the big ones I guess um, and Kodak have not necessarily sponsored us but they are very much supporting the film so it's very important and I think I forgot to mention you also wrote this film didn't you I did yeah, yeah. so you wrote, you wrote the script yeah. so I'm I've, I've tried to write a few scripts I've written a couple <laughs> they're not good uh, but so how long did that take you from like beginning to end this film actually we started like two years ago like, oh, okay, like well. less than two years ago but and, I, and then I kind of found another story I was interested in, wrote that, yeah. left us from behind, came back to this, went back to that. And then we settled on this, but it's gone through probably three full, full rewrites. Yeah. And here we are now. But this took me, I think, to write this, this script took me two days. And do you have the full script yeah. ready as so well? The script's finished. It's, it's four drafts, but it, it is now ready to shoot. So, ah, so you're, you're, you're pretty much ready to go after this then, hopefully. Yes. It's, um, yeah. We just got funded as well, which is great. Uh, we, our Indiegogo campaign came to an end, but we had some support for private funding. Um, but we will be re, uh, support, like relaunching funding in post. Yeah. Because you do this to kind of make, to kind of bring some money back. Yeah. And festivals are highly expensive yeah. to enter. It's, it's six, seven hundred pounds for a whole festival run. So, so how, do you know which festivals you're going to be at, or is that still um, you're still deciding? I don't think it's good to enter everything. No. Um, you know, you'd love to say, yeah, we'll, we'll see you at BAFTA or something. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Um, but by all means, like Aesthetica, yeah. Cork. Uh, we'd, I'd love to get to the Melbourne Film Festival. That'd be great. Um, Sydney. Yeah. Lots of these big ones. There's lots. Of, um, is, is it Giffoni? I think Giffoni in Italy is a very big short film festival. Mm-hmm. There's a great one in Plymouth, actually, which we, I'm, I'm really hoping. <laughs> because and Roger Deakins, the DOP, yes. is, yeah. the, is one of the guys that runs it. Oh, good. So, uh, so that'd be amazing. Like, yo, if you can it. get him to see yeah, you. He's from Devon, yeah. Roger Deakins. So it's the guy that desperately deserves an Oscar. The guy, in my opinion, should <laughs> win the Oscar, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so where, where can we find you? If, you wanna, if you're if you interested in this project, where can someone go on Facebook? Or? Yeah, Facebook's good. Um, so so you it? just look for Midwinter. It'll All one word. Up. All one word. Yeah. Uh, we've got Instagram, but that's under Molly Mork, okay. which is a bit hardest for Molly Mork Films, which yeah. is a... Uh, it's a, it's kind of like a film idea that we, me and the guy I work with, Chubba, we want to start it as a production company eventually yeah. of our own, and it's an inside thing, the name Molly Moore. Um But that's how we're represented for Instagram, and also just say at the Wilton Way Cafe yeah. where I currently work. Yeah. So if and, you want to chat, and it, and you're you're direct, you're co-directing this, yes? No, or, no, he's the director of photography. Director, okay, great. Right, well, I think have you got anything to add? Any other places to plug? Not, not no, at all. It's, no. it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, the week before is always really difficult because <laughs> we're extremely stressed. But I think it'll be fine. We've got a great crew. And so 
I guess people will just see it when we're finished. I wish you all the all the best. Cheers Nothing on. but luck, and I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, the final the final project, the Cheers final on. the final film, short film. Thanks, Batman. Well, and thank you for coming on. Cheers, it's lovely talking you. to you. Make the coffee now. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I think that I'm, I'm I'm here on my own finishing finishing off the uh, the episode. So that'll about do it for this week. Um, thank you very much for listening. If you want to follow Small Screen, you can. It's at Small Screen GB on fa- uh, Facebook and Twitter. And if you want to uh, email in, by all means do so. It's hello small hello at small or hello small screen at gmail Sorry, I messed that up again. And uh, please please also follow uh, London Fields Radio on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we're also on iTunes now. So if you uh, look, our, look up London Fields Radio on iTunes, you'll find us in there as well. We're part of that podcast. So lots of things happening. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And goodbye. <laughs>